The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ in our new series, Identity Theft. We'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part B. Solid biblical believer, a pastor who has got a fairly decent foundation, but does he really understand what conviction is? My conclusion from the Lord is, you pull that block out of Christianity and the church will get lost forever and it has happened you cannot disciple someone and move them in the corner for conviction anymore that was originally what discipleship was and what it looked like you just worked with the person until finally they were in the corner when they would say I get it I'm feeling conviction what are you feeling conviction about? Here comes the confession. Confession cannot come without conviction. Then the confession comes out. I believe that I have been blah, 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 blah. I say, well, without Christ taking those sentences from you, what would happen to you? You would go to hell. Eternal damnation in prison. They would throw the key away and you would never get out of that prison. But Christ came and he paid that sentencing for you. Now we can talk about grace. But you talk about grace before conviction. You have a liberal, lukewarm, Laodicean church. 602-292-298. Two. Here comes the judge, folks. Looking at our diagram PG103, what we have in front of us is God's prerogative versus man's prerogative of judging. God's laws are absolute, so therefore God's judgment has to be absolute, not relative. I hope you just got what I said. God's laws are absolute, so therefore God's judgments have to be absolute. Absolute judgment hurts like hell. Do you understand that? That's where the person is sentenced and placed for eternity. I'm not swearing here, I'm giving you the truth. Relative law grants relative judgment. Relative is self-perceived and self-actualized judgment. 
So let's look at God's laws first. Whatever God, out of his infinite goodness, justice, and love, states to be the ultimately for man's blessing and God's own glory. He's the one that decides that. You don't. Nor your emergent church. If you pull this peg out, it's over. If this peg that's written on it, God's absolute authority, you pull that peg out, it has to drop down into the relative box. Look around you, study and evaluate the churches around you. This is what has happened to us. Once you pull out God's absolute authority, the very first thing falls into line that has to be pulled out, and that is God's absolute word. The church has to make a decision to determine through their own relative illogical reasoning that the word of God is not the absolute word of God. It is a book written by humans that history proves. It's a respected book. It's been around a long time. But it is not, as two churches in our own community have gone public in saying that the Word of God is not the absolute Word of God. How many caught that? There's probably just two or three here that knew that. Of course the absoluteness of God's word has to be pulled out. Third thing falls into place. Once you pull the absolute word of God out, because you're already confessing you've pulled out the absolute authority, the third thing that happens instantly once you pull out the absolute word of God, and that is man has to go relative as church leaders. Accepting gay pastors, accepting this, accepting that. The church leadership must go liberal. And what do you think happens to the people? People start showing up in rainbow hair. That's what happens. The pastor starts marrying two men or two women. Why not marry a couple dogs? I know they practice that on the East Coast. Surprised? Don't be. It's happening. It's a growing movement. Pastors from the church marrying dogs, cats. I read the article personally. Once the leader goes, the whole shebang goes. Now take it into a global audience. Here's what you get. Man's law is relative. Man decides whatever is personal thought at the present to be beneficial to the greatest number of persons or to the persons of greatest importance. I am not quite sure why you folks as congregation have not bought me my new Camaro. (laughs) I am of greater importance than you. You should be lining my pockets. You see where it goes? 
The pastors are less than the people that are in their pews. We're servants. We don't always act that way, but we are. But in leadership, we are above you. And that's where the honor and respect comes in. Self also does this. Whatever is rejected by the present consensus and therefore perceived as being bad for society. I like it when I'm listening to the news. Sean Hannity brings this one out pretty regularly. Do you believe there's evil in the world? Do you believe there are evil people in the world? And of course, some of the responses that he gets, well, there are people that make bad choices. No, there are people filled with demons. There are people controlled by the great dark serpent. There is an evil in the world, and it's resident. No, I'm afraid in man's laws, those relative thoughts and ideas, that is going bye-bye. No more evil. You know where that's going to leave the Antichrist? A beautiful, wonderful, logical, educated leader. No evil exists. So we need a few more years to prepare this politician. But he's coming. Our scripture today is James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? Well, Lord, look, I got a doctorate degree, working on another one. I hang out with people who have them. You know, we call each other theologians. And we call ourselves great men of God. Now, you think God's impressed? Probably not. So who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Well, last I read in the Hebrew and the Greek, truth means Joshua. Jesus. We separated it out in the Greek. Truth is a person. No wonder Jesus, who knew the pictorial Hebrew, says, For I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Three names given to Jesus. They're lying against Jesus. If you got selfishness going on in your life, that selfish ambition is basically lying against Jesus Christ. Personally. If you suck up to this wisdom about violating what Peter was talking about, In chapter 2, verse 18, 1 Peter, when he says, Servants, be submissive to your masters, but only be submissive to the logical and reasonable and educated ones. Is that what he said? 
Not quite. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters, not only to those who are good and gentle, but to those who are unreasonable and harsh. For this finds favor in the eyes of God. If a man bears up when suffering unjustly, that's what it says. If you want God's favor, No, we probably better get off of that verse. The number one verse that the Lord has reminded me is one of the greatest violations in our country today is that passage. Relative law, humans decide who they're going to submit to by their behavior and level of education. The verse goes on to say this, this wisdom is not That which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Natural is where I got the word common sense. Common sense comes from the Greek where it's community thinking. Commune. It's what others are thinking. That's what common sense is. It's community thinking. It's the consensus of the general public. Earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. What better way for evil to consume the earth than by the way of convincing the earth that there is no evil? Any evil person could step in and shoot you. Could go into a school and mow down a classroom full of children. And we call them mentally ill. Not evil. We're already there, folks. Not me, Lord. I will work till my last breath to preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ and that his Abba Father is the absolute authority and he, Jesus Christ, is the absolute obedient one and the Holy Spirit is the absolute one of revelation to reveal what is already done, said, put in place. That's the God that I want to serve. Not separating them out like there's some kind of kindergarten class being broken up into groups. 602-292-2982. I always get one on this one. Jesus Christ is God. Period. And finally it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, in good fruits, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. You know, that unwavering thing is huge to me. This morning I share with Jane struggles I'm having with, I just revealed to you at the beginning of our message, of really getting settled and be at peace with the level of 
rebellion and resistance that I see around me. It gets a hold of me. As many of you preachers that are listening, it brings you down. And you want to ask a question that my mentor and I ask on a regular basis, and that is, are we really making a difference? Because honestly, many times it's like making a pathway through a bowl of jello with some of you folks. There just isn't much passion and change in revitalizing and bringing afresh the life of Christ in you. Timothy suffered with that. Already saved, indwelt, and had been trained personally by one of the greatest disciplers in church history, Paul himself. And Paul was given a revelation through the Holy Spirit about how down in the dumps Timothy was. And God told Paul, and Paul told Timothy, I must come to you, lay hands on you, to kindle afresh the gift of God in you. Henry, I will do my best to come to Kenya and lay hands on you when we're done. It is critical. There's power in these hands. There's power in your hands if you're indwelt by Jesus. There's literal power in these hands. It is not just a statement. Who you touch and who you let touch you makes a huge difference to Jesus. No one lays hands on me unless the Father has sent them. And that list is very short. This is critical before we can truly understand the purity of God returning the church to the authentic, immovable, unwavering Church of Jesus Christ. 602-292-2982. Here's what man's law does, relative and relentless. We without a doubt live in a culture that is filled with people who have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogant, and certainly lie against the truth. At every turn in the millennial generation, we find a people who shout above the wisdom of their parents, pastors, civil leaders, proclaiming things that are not only heresy, but obstinate in their stupidity. Those of you who are on our e-blast list received this little pastor's pen, and boy, did I get responses. It's true. Being a people who are so ignorant, they cannot see their self-proclaimed wisdom that has been handed down to them by Satan himself, not by God. God will never tell you, millennial Jesus people, anything that is not already written and done. He will never add to it. He will never stretch it. He will never walk around his own law. It is unwavering and immovable. 
So to live up to it, you're going to need Jesus who fulfilled the law for you. Being a people who are so arrogant they cannot see self-proclaimed wisdom has been handed down to them by Satan himself. Therefore, we have a culture that is filled with disorder and every evil thing. There's your answer. Here's a fact about relative obedience. Whatever was personally thought at the time to be beneficial to the existing leadership or who they considered the greatest importance, those are the ones that rule the day. Our present culture seems to reject most authorities by their own consensus and therefore perceive parents, pastors, civic leaders as a threat to their personal self-established lifestyle and culture. Therefore, the conclusion is most of the actions from their authorities are unreasonable and have not earned their respect and willingness to submit to their guidance. Relative obedience makes me sick. Not that that really matters to any of our listeners, but my wife can tell you how sick it makes me. I grieve weekly over relative obedience. That's like 60% obedient and 40% disobedient. It's like 99% obedient and 1% disobedient. It's all the same. Relative obedience is not closing the loop, which gives the enemy an opportunity to get through that crack and turn you a little bit each day into a relative obedient millennialist. That's what it does. One day you'll wake up and say, you know, what happened to my faith? What happened to my doctrinal beliefs? What happened to me? I'm just, I don't respond to conviction anymore. Unless I write it in my journal that I screwed up today. Really? You've been messing up since the day you got saved. So have I. It's how we handle that conviction to get realigned with what has already been written and is true for the body of Christ, his wife. The reality of what we're looking at here, as I have said before, if someone individually is rebellious toward you, that's one thing, but if it turns into culture by morphing its way into a little bit of more relative thinking every day, it's going to end up being a massive global problem. That's what we're looking forward to with Generation Z. Man's opinions or laws are subjective and relative. When we attempt to function under our opinion on any matter, we determine what is what is good and evil according to the mind of Satan. He's the king of the tree of knowledge of bad. 
Am I finishing it? Okay, let me rephrase it. So Satan is the king of the tree of evil. Satan is the king of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We are in a last phase of the church that the enemy has shifted out of the dark ages and shifted into the good ages. Peace, 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 but there is no peace. It's the good side of the tree he is focusing on today. Laodicea. We then see that whatever is personally thought at the present time to be beneficial to moi, myself, not the doctrines of the living God. I could read some of those doctrines for some creative ideas, but I'll do the determining if I'm going to be convicted by them. The absolute God can't bring conviction to someone who believes they're God who does the convicting. On the other hand, since God's law is absolute, he determines whatever he, out of his infinite goodness, justice, love, states ultimately for man's blessing and his glory, If he decides to reject anything that is inconsistent with his perfect will, he then categorically labels it as evil. And what I'm saying is all of Christian goodness in the church today is evil. All of it. But you see, any righteousness that is in the church today, hope I didn't lose some listeners on that, any righteousness that is found in the church today that's coming out of the life of Christ, inside the indwelt believers, being poured out to the people in the church and community, that is the real church. But you see, any good that is being done because of obligation... Any good that is being done because you know it's good and you've decided it's good doesn't mean it's of Christ. Ask yourself which tree this is coming from. We serve a sovereign God. PG 101 is God establishes the laws and standards and conduct for himself, mankind and spiritual beings. Secondly, God alone has the right to require absolute obedience to his standards. He's God. He wrote the laws. God is the ultimate one who judges the actions, thoughts, and intentions of the heart. God is the one who will deliver consequences to the rebellious or vengeance to unbelievers. God alone is actually has the right to control all those in his creation, either by absolute obedience or forced obedience. 
I can give you endless stories in the Old Testament and New Testament how God very creatively put someone in the corner where they were basically going, okay, okay. It is forced obedience. Because he's not interested in your happiness. He's not interested in you having a good day. He's interested in getting his job done. He can have an absolute authority, absolute obedient type of bridal member for his son, carrying out what he's asking to be done, or he can do it through a donkey, a resistant, stubborn, obstinate donkey. And how many of you listeners is that describing? Don't try to convince me or the Holy Spirit or Jesus Christ himself how respectful you are of authority when an authority figure can't move you two inches without your relative rationale trying to figure out exactly if it's a reasonable and logical request. And does it fit my schedule? My schedule belongs to Dr. Solomon. Do you understand that? He is my spiritual father. My schedule belongs to him. And when he dies... I'm going to have a bad day because I am losing even though God will have another in place but I am losing the greatest relationship as I said to a board member today the greatest relationship I have ever had on the face of the earth is through this man who often times asked me to do things I didn't want to do. Six zero two two nine two two nine eight two. If you don't get it, you're not going to get it. It's going to take the Holy Spirit for you to understand. Don't pull out one of the pegs. And if you're living a lifestyle of pulled out pegs. You're missing out on the greatest blessing of eternity, the flow of the power of the living God. God is a sovereign, independent one, period. He can do as he pleases and demand what is just and right. God alone deserves the praise, approval, acceptance from his entire creation. God has no need to seek discipleship or guidance from any existing being because there's no one to go to. And he's certainly not coming to my office for counseling. He certainly does come to my office, but he's a counselor. Big difference. So without a doubt, we can say that God and God alone has the right to be a sovereign, independent God. When man was born, he was 100% dependent upon man and totally and completely independent of God. When man dies, he's to be 100% dependent on God and his chain of authority and 0% dependent on man. That's the way it's supposed to work. Where are you in the process? 50-50? 60-40? Where are you at? 
And if you're using the excuse that I cannot trust my spiritual leader, whoever that might be, because they make stupid decisions, you don't get what I'm talking about. I don't mind listening to an obstinate leader because I know I'm submitting to Christ inside that obstinate leader, which gives me an opportunity to be a son with an opportunity to usher my father to his death in utmost honor and respect. Not until they put that casket in the dirt, but until I'm dead. That's why we have the dead guys. And our ministry is resurrecting their writings and teachings. It's because I get this. So what type of wisdom do you live by? Earthly, natural, and demonic? Or that which comes down from above? It's a great question. I've had to answer it many times. And my attitude with God oftentimes has been, excuse me, I have a doctorate. I've studied these scriptures. I've even written a book. Now, I may not have said it directly like that to God, but I'm basically saying, I've been there, done that, I've learned this. And God's like, have you? You see, man's application of supernatural revelations is what God looks at, not his ability to write books on it. Here's our identity matter statement for today. God told us he is not easily mocked. Mockery, if you want to look up in the Greek from this passage, you will find our very topic tonight. Mockery is a refuse to hearken, to listen, to obey God. God is not easily mocked, and he will not accept anyone who attempts to do what his fiercest enemy, who is Satan, is trying to do to him today as he did in heaven, which got him booted out. That, of course, was attempting to steal his position of being God. It has always amazed me how mankind projects their inept worldview through the constraints of a bubble, somehow thinking that their universe, their worldview, can rise above the sovereign and living God of the entire universe and beyond. And your opinion matters? Your opinion and every opinion you've had doesn't even mount to a drop in the bucket your entire life. If you're 94 years of age, every opinion you've ever had doesn't even mount to a drop. Because God of the universe said, you are nothing but a vapor. Do you know how many vapors it takes to make a drop? Your opinion is worthless to the living God, let alone your collection of opinions your entire life. God is God. The great I am. And I am not. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. We are so excited about this series. It is very calm. It's very comforting. It's very rewarding. And it certainly does not fluff any feathers. But join us again next week. And I do need to warn you about next week's message. I already have been working on it. And it sends a few shivers up my back. But we're going to have a little discussion about Dr. Satan. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.